brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Great mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo 5 And crown thy good with brotherhood Opinion and a little irreverence from both sides of the 49th parallel. This is American Uck Radio with Mike Phillip. Well, guess what? Uh, we're live here on American Uck Radio. This is Mike Phillip coming at you live from a great place called Western Canada. We are the Texas of Canada here in Alberta, and uh, we're experiencing some rough times due to a gang of criminals that call themselves the Liberal Party of Canada that are about uh, 3,000 miles away, but they dictate if you can work, if you can feed your family, if you can get your oil out to international markets, or even just used by the confederation, not country, that you live in because our oil here is dirty. Yeah, but they don't have any problem in Quebec and Ontario buying it from Saudi Arabia. You know that place where women can't uh, show their, their head in public? Otherwise, it'll be removed from their body. The place where if a woman's raped, uh, they are punished that same Saudi Arabia, by our feminists in charge here. Now, yesterday, I uh, had a little mishap with the internet. I was sitting in my chair in my studio here, ready to go live, and doink, about three minutes before airtime, my internet cuts off, and it didn't come back on until about an hour after the show. Big thanks to Kevin J. Johnston for having uh, an episode to throw in the mix. I, I called Ron in a panic over at Mojo Five O, our illustrious station manager, and he was able to get another episode in. So thanks for bearing with us. Uh, and, and by the way, you don't want to think this way, but uh, your brain kind of goes to this place first. I spoke to a lot of influencers let's put it that way i have quite the network of sources and people that i talk to on a regular basis and a lot of them were having problems with their internet as well 
yesterday. Coincidence? I don't know. Is it maybe just that I live in a third world country? Possibly. We've got a lot to get to today. Now, in segment two, I want you to stick around. We have got Mike Cutler joining us. He was heavily recommended by General Val Lee that we've been having on recently to talk about the uh, Red October offensive against criminals and deep state assets in Canada, the United States, and indeed worldwide. That thing that we've all wanted to see happen, right? Lock her up. Uh, we all want to see Brennan and Comey and Hillary and all these players in cuffs and uh, marched off to Gitmo. Well, that's happening. And uh, Michael Cutler was is retired senior special agent with the INS, and uh, he became the first INS agent to be assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of the DEA and promoted to position of senior special agent and assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Tax Force, where he worked closely with local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies and uh, agencies from other countries, including Israel, Canada, Great Britain, and Japan. Mr. Cutler and I got on the phone yesterday, and uh, we hit it off really well. He's a very outspoken guy. He's got some great stories, and he's an expert on immigration and the scam that it is. Immigration is a scam. If done right, immigration is a great thing. America was built on immigrants. Uh, A lot of Canada was built on immigrants. Well, Canada was built on immigrants, really, but... It's been turned into something sinister, and it's been used as an excuse to go after the Bill of Rights and Constitution in the USA. It's been used to bankrupt Canadian businesses. It's uh, Well, I'm going to let Mr. Cutler get into it. We've got news on Justin Trudeau. Rural crime, where I live in Alberta, is going off the charts And it's been addressed at a town hall in a town called the Duke. Right where I live, you can see the story over at AmericanUckRadio.com. That's AmericanUckRadio.com. With all that in mind, let's launch this show. American American Radio. Radio. My girlfriend loves it. Even my dog loves it. I love you. Oh, my God. American Radio. We love you. That's all I listen to. American Radio. Sounds like a party, baby. Ooh, yeah. So Justin Trudeau uh, has come out and conceded that uh, the Conservative Party of Canada just might win this election. Uh, we've got a federal election coming in Canada here, and it is, I'm talking right around the corner on the 20th, 21st. Advanced voting has been off the charts. I think it's 40% higher than it's ever been. Canadians are pissed off, and I'm hearing word from people in Toronto. Now, keep in mind, we have a parliamentary system. Uh, we do not have an electoral college in Canada, and what has happened with that <clears throat> is basically that people... Anywhere west of the province of Manitoba, and that's a very large expanse of land, Manitoba to B.C., have zero representation. None. Seriously, like the the election is called in Eastern time by the time people in Western Canada go to the voting polls. Okay? So 
we have no representation, and uh, Alberta specifically has been abused by elites in Quebec and Ontario for a very long time, which is why I am of the opinion that Alberta needs to cut all ties with Canada and get a lot friendlier with the United States of America. People say to me, well, Alberta's landlocked. You can't do business that way. Uh, ever heard of Germany? Huh? Their, their economy's pretty good. How about Luxembourg? They're landlocked. A lot of wealthy landlocked countries. And not only that, but interestingly enough, if Alberta was not part of Canada, it would be illegal under UN treaty for anybody to stop us from getting our chief domestic product, and that is oil and gas, to international markets. That would be a trade embargo, to use a military term. Now, if you head over to Twitter, I don't understand how anybody thinks that Justin Trudeau is going to win this election. I mean, Twitter is a good, uh, it's a good way to get your pulse, the pulse of the nation, right? You know, because people can go there and uh, they can air their gripes and they can talk about uh, what they want to see happen in the next election. And if you go to Justin Trudeau's Twitter account and just, you know, click on just one, just one of his tweets, right? I, I, I don't suggest heavily that you do this because the guy's a moron and you can feel yourself getting stupider all the time when you read his words. Uh, that is assuming that they are his words on Twitter. But, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to read a couple, okay? Okay, these are answers to Justin Trudeau on Twitter, his last tweet. Alexander B.C. says, if only we could still trust anything you say. Greg B., you convinced me I'm voting conservative. Huh? And it goes on like that. This guy is hated. This guy is not popular. Okay? And you remember what I, sh I said on the show the other day? Uh, Justin Trudeau shows up for an event in uh, Mississauga, Ontario. That's Kevin J. Johnston's stomping grounds. And listen, if you're in the United States of America and you don't think this affects you, you're wrong. Because these globalists like Trudeau and the Clintons... They all work together. They're globalists. They don't believe in countries. They don't believe in borders. He is just as much your enemy as he is to people on this side of the 49th parallel. So Justin Trudeau shows up at an event in Mississauga wearing a bulletproof vest. And I came on air the day before yesterday, before my internet got thunder chunked, right before I went on air. And I said, this looks like an act to me. This looks like a a reason to buy sympathy votes, which Canadians are famous for going along with. And guess what? Story out of the Buffalo Chronicle, Buffalo, New York. Headline says, RCMP sources say security risk against Trudeau was contrived by PMO staffers. Now, anybody could write anything, right? These are the days of fake news on the internet. And it's hard to know who to trust. But Jerry Butts, Justin Trudeau's BFF, 
of like, I don't know, 40 years, came out and said that this was not real news. And so once they officially deny something, then I know it's probably true. And the fact is, Justin Trudeau is an actor. If you ever see him speaking in public, what he's saying is most likely the opposite of the truth. Now, if you head over to AmericanUckRadio.com, AmericanUckRadio.com, we have this article posted there. Listen to this. A retired officer of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police who remains in frequent communication with senior figures inside the federal agency is telling the Chronicle that the widely publicized security threat against Prime Minister Gay Sox on Saturday night in Mississauga was largely contrived by political staffers inside the PMO. Huh? Hoping to elicit sympathy. What did I say? It's exactly what I said. Now insiders at the RCMP are saying the same thing. Hoping to elicit sympathy in the national political discourse. I mean, who who would benefit from Trudeau being killed at a public event? Not the other parties. They would be blamed. Specifically the PPC and the CPC. The only people that would benefit from something like that would be the Liberal Party because everybody would feel sorry. So, senior PMO staffers actively instructed the RCMP on which equipment and weaponry to have present, which uniforms protective officers would wear, and which security precautions would be taken at the private in- invitation-only Liberal Party event. But yeah, because uh, those people in the Liberal Party are experts on security. In fact, they know so much better than security experts that why would they even call the RCMP if they're going to tell them how to conduct their affairs? These conversations were initiated, the source claims, by political operatives Matthew Bouchard and Ben Chin, both of whom report directly to Gerald Butts, the Prime Minister's Principal Secretary, and Katie Telford, the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff. I believe this. I believe that they're a bunch of liars. The extra security precautions are rumored to have cost Canadian taxpayers an extra 135 grand. That's not much. But it adds up that the RCMP had not already been planning to spend that evening, mostly for labor and overtime costs associated with the movement of heavy weaponry. Now listen to this. This is exactly what I said the other day. If there were an actual threat, the building would have been evacuated. Bomb-sniffing dogs would have searched the entire building and grounds immediately. They wouldn't have left hundreds of women and children Packed into a ballroom for hours, he explains, but the political staffers wanted to see him in a vest for the cameras. I hate being right all the time. They were barely checking IDs at the door, he said. They were treating the officers on the scene like props, and it very much offended the top officials at the agency. Well, quit covering for these guys. If you're so offended, come out and make a public statement that this was all bullshit. 
Shortly after the event, PMO staffers began pushing word of an unspecified security risk to foreign news outlets, including the New York Times and the Washington Post. And there you have it. They don't care about Canadians. They don't care about jobs. They All they care about is power. That's it. Power. And I'll tell you what. If Canadians are stupid enough to vote this guy in, assuming that they haven't stolen the election, well, I guess we'll see what happens. But I'm already hearing reports of people in Toronto. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one of them here, okay? Uh, and this is on social media. Said that he went to a voting station in Toronto and nobody there spoke any English, filled out his ballot. You know, you got a little box and you put a pencil mark in it. And any of the boxes that were not ticked off for the reigning Liberal Party of Canada, if there was anything else voted for, they would take a pen and scribble across the ballot. Now, first of all, they're not supposed to look at it in the first place. That's the rules. Second of all, When they did that, now the ballot is, quote-unquote, spoiled. It doesn't count anymore. So uh, when they raised a a fuss about it, saying, hey, I want another ballot, Uh, I know I speak English, right? I I call a supervisor. They get the supervisor in, the supervisor says, no, you can't have two ballots. It's too bad if your first one got wrecked. So then they pulled out their, their phones and started video uh, getting video of it. And the cops were called and the cops promptly hauled them out because they were causing a disturbance. You know, they're, these lowly people don't want their election stolen, right? It's not how we do it here. Around here, we steal elections. Like any other third world country would. Right? So yeah. Canada's getting more and more corrupt all the time. And like I said before. It's time for Alberta to get out. Speaking of Alberta. Rural crime is off the charts everybody. Welcome back to American Arc Radio, everybody. I don't have to do these breaks, but I like it. I've got all these bumpers and uh, way less, <laughs> way less commercial breaks than I had on the last network that I was on. Now, rural Albertans, I've had it with crime, and it's off the charts. Rural crime is off the charts. And there's been a number of high-profile cases where somebody tried to protect their life, liberty, and property with a gun. And guess what? The judicial system comes down on you. Now, they held a rural crime meeting in Leduc, Alberta, just a few minutes away from where I live. And the Alberta Justice Minister and Solicitor General 
Doug Schweitzer was in town to make sure things went right. Diane Donovan no longer feels safe and secure in her own home. These these people committing these crimes, they know that we don't have policing full time. Donovan made her concerns clear at a packed rural crime town hall meeting in Leduc put on by the Minister of Justice. One night when she wasn't home, her alarm system went off. Thieves made off with bottles of alcohol. The next night, they came back. We went downstairs and when we got to the back door, there was a, a male that was running up at, at our back door, running up to our door with his shoulder. He had a beer bottle in his hand, holding it like this in the left Locking hand, it. and he had his shoulder going to smash our door in again. These Okay, I gotta pause it right there. Now, think about this. They were home at the time, and this is the second time that they had been robbed, and this guy was just running across the yard, shoulder down, ready to smash through the door. And who knows what he would have done to that family. Right? Now, here's the rub. You can defend yourself with a gun in Canada. Oh, yes, you can. And they are scared to death to get these cases into court against somebody that has a backbone. Because I got two words for you. Jury nullification. You get these cases before a jury of your peers... And they can literally rewrite the law in your favor. Meetings have been held across the province, and stories like these have been shared countless times. Schweitzer is following up on his campaign promise to address growing fears for rural residents. Well, Albertans need to know that we are dedicated to funding the priorities that we campaigned on, from hiring more prosecutors to providing more funding for Alberta law enforcement response team. Those are campaign commitments that we made, and my direction from the Premier is crystal clear. Get that done. Alberta. Okay, Uh, so here's this uh, Alberta Justice Minister and Solicitor General Doug Schweitzer. Here's what we're going to do, all right? Yeah, there's a lot of crime, but uh, we don't want you defending yourself because that'll be anarchy. So what we're going to do is we're going to hire more prosecutors and more police. Hey, why don't you just deputize everybody, make them all cops, huh? Then everybody's a cop. Huh? We're all on the payroll. So let me get this straight. People in rural communities, the response time from your local RCMP detachment can be up to an hour. And a lot of times it's being reported. They don't even show up when you call. So we'll have more cops to draw a chalk outline around you and your family by the time they get there. And we'll have more prosecutors that won't be able to do anything about it or they'll let them skate on a summary offense. Or a lot of these gangs, and they are gangs, are using minors to go around and steal vehicles because they know that they'll only get a month in jail. City of Edmonton, liquor stores are being robbed on a constant basis by minors that are used by organized crime. Some of them twice in the same week or every week, same location, same perp. And when they are caught, they just laugh at the cops because they know that nothing is going to happen to them. Straight up. 
Let's go on with this. The provincial rural crime watch was at the town hall and feels that concerns are being heard. While they wait for action from the province, the watch group has been working to prevent crime on its own. Currently, we're, we're educating our local membership, our chapters, on crime prevention. We used to work on the principle of reporting suspicious activity, but we're finding that's not enough anymore. Now we have to get into crime prevention techniques. Donovan hopes the town halls will lead to something sooner rather than later. We go to bed, we lock our doors, we alarm everything. We, we do everything we possibly can. We should feel safe when we turn off our lights at night and tuck our kids into bed. So she and her neighbours can go back to having a sense of security. Sarah Comedina, Global News. How many home invasions do you think there are in rural Nevada? One of you over in the chat room, go Google that. What's the rate of home invasions in rural Nevada? I bet you there's not very many. Huh? Or, you know, Texas. Right? You're probably more in danger of getting shot by a cop doing a welfare check at your house in Texas. Now... The same can't be true for these uh, sanctuary city places, right? Those are the high crime areas. The areas that are incidentally ran by liberals. And I'll tell you what, the GOP is no better. They pay a lot of lip service, but in the end, I mean, we got Michael Cutler coming on here. He just wrote an article about how the the, uh, GOP dominated... House just voted to end the emergency at the border. No no border wall funding. Trump's got a fight on his hands. We'll be back with Mike Cutler on American Hawk Radio after this. Having an extra supply of food on hand is just smart. Some people call it prepping. I call it smart. You never know what's going to happen in this world. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. You'll find out a lot of good reasons to have that food and some great prices. MyPatriotSupply.com. Here's important new information from the Diabetes Solution Center for you, a family member, or a loved one suffering with diabetes. If you have lost your provider or if you need a provider for diabetic supplies, you may qualify to receive your diabetic testing supplies now with little or no out-of-pocket cost, regardless of your age. All you need is Medicare or private insurance to be potentially eligible. Call the Diabetes Solution Center right now for details. Just takes a couple of minutes. Our friendly, knowledgeable agents will give you free, no-obligation information, handle all the insurance paperwork, and make sure your supplies are delivered directly to your door for free. Call U.S. Medical Supply 24 hours a day. 800-597-9323. 800-597-9323. 800-597-9323. Call right now. 800-597-9323. Never Forgotten Apparel is more than just a premium women's and men's clothing line. It's a movement to remind us to wear American-made and serve those who serve us. Our heroes. Never Forgotten Apparel gives 20% of their total sales to nonprofits that support homeless veterans and off-duty firefighters. And 50% to individual veterans and firefighters in need nationwide. Check out NeverForgottenApparel.com and get 15% off your purchase. 
You know what makes you feel really good about yourself? Doing something good for somebody else. And if you'd like to do that today, go to JDRF.org. Join them in the fight against type 1 diabetes. JDRF.org. It's something good you can do for the world. JDRF.org. American Radio. Welcome back to American Huck Radio, everybody. This is Mike Phillip, the American Huck. Now listen, to all my Canadian listeners, you need to pay attention to what's happening in the United States of America. And I'll tell you what, there is a cold civil war going on right now. And a lot of it is due to the scam that is known as immigration. Now, as I mentioned before, our guest, Mike Cutler has been on the front lines of this for a very long time and uh, just give me let me give you a couple of uh, bullet points from his uh, his very lengthy bio that he sent me he is a retired senior special agent of the INS and uh, just to cut right to it he became the first INS agent to be assigned to the unified intelligence intelligence division of the DEA in 1991 promoted to the position of senior special agent and assigned to organized crime. Drug, ta- Drug Enforcement Task Force, working closely with local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies and overseas agencies, including Israel, Canada, Great Britain, and Japan. Mike, welcome to the show. My pleasure to join you, Mike. Thanks for having me. I was also an inspector for four years at the beginning of my career, immigration inspector. Spent a year doing the marriage interviews we've seen in the movies, which are not a laughing matter, although the movies make light of them. Um this is such a critical issue, Mike, and both your country and my country have lost their collective minds. Yep. Um, here's the problem. Everyone thinks the immigration system is broken. And I started with the INS in 1971. By the way, I've been before 17 congressional hearings in the House and Senate in the United States. I provided a deposition, a position paper for your uh, parliament over the issue of the Western Hemisphere Travel Initiative. I also provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission. Uh, I arrested terrorists during my career. I've, I've seen it all. And I came to the unsettling conclusion that the immigration system, much as they claim it is, is not broken. How's that for an astonishing conclusion? Well, I mean... The problem is... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. The problem is that the system is doing what the power elite wants. And both sides of the political aisle are equally responsible. In fact, it was the Republicans initially who wanted open borders and cheap labor. You know, you hear about free trade. Free trade means open borders. Open borders means foreign workers. Foreign workers means decreased wages. It also means, however, that lots of money gets shipped out of the United States to the countries that send us their workers. Mexico last year, and this is only the visible money, because one of the ways people send money is to go to the money remitters, the wire services. Um, You know, they can go to the bank, they can go to the post office, they can go to Western Union. There's all these what we call money remitters. Last year, Mexico got between 20 and 30 billion, with a B, billion dollars. That's visible. Other money gets shipped by people stuffing it into furniture, appliances. They buy gold and smuggle the gold in and out of countries. 
So we're losing a ton of money. We're losing a ton of jobs. Wages are being suppressed. And, oh, by the way, with open borders, you have gangs, the threat of terrorism, um, narcotics flowing into America. You know, I had a member of Congress say to me, well, isn't the border secure? I said no. And he started giving me this nonsense. And I get this when they do a lot of media. Um, and by the way, after 9-11, I was averaging 15 to 20 television interviews every month. After the Supreme Court decided Citizens United, which basically means that corporations can pump unlimited amounts of money into political campaigns, the best government money can buy, the phone calls stopped with a couple of exceptions. Right. Because everybody has been bought off. This is about corruption on a scale I never thought was possible. America has become a banana republic. It's just that simple. But uh, if you if you look at what's also happening... And they say to me, well, the border is secure, and they base it on Border Patrol arrest. I had that with Neil Cavuto on his show. I said, listen, try to figure out how many illegals are in the United States based on arrest statistics. It's like trying to take attendance by asking people not present to raise their hand. Right. It doesn't work. And it's not just the Mexican border. We have a problem with your border. You have a problem with that border also. We have 95,000 miles of coastline. And just about every state has an international airport. Most of the terrorists have come through international airports, but now we need to be concerned about what's coming up through Latin America because Iran has flooded Latin America with Hezbollah agents. These are terrorists. They are funded and directed by Iran, and there have been hearings one after the other. But the media doesn't report on that. They're too busy reporting on Donald Trump's supposed infractions. And what was the hearing about? Hezbollah working with human traffickers and drug smugglers to flood America with narcotics, they hate us. What better way to kill us? 70,000 died of drug overdoses last year, opiate overdoses. They've been flooding people into the country. They get more money and an opportunity to bring their sleeper agents into the United States, two of whom made the headlines in the last week. One guy, you're going to love this story, Mike. Your listeners are going to freak out. Uh, one guy entered the United States in 2000, 2000 before the attacks of 9-11. We found out that he had joined Hezbollah at least two years earlier. He was found with photographs of locations he was scoping out for potential future terror attacks. And according to intelligence that we developed, he went overseas in an effort to kill an Israeli agent. His plan failed, fortunately. So this guy has been living among us for almost two decades. We have another guy, at least as frightening a story, maybe more frightening, came to America in 2012 as the spouse of a foreign student. His wife had a student visa. He applied to go to flight school in 2015 because of 9-11. When you apply to become a pilot, you have to be fingerprinted. Well, the fingerprints came back. Guess where they showed up? They showed up on an application that he made to join al-Qaeda. When our special forces raided the locations, they scooped up all the paperwork People that joined Al-Qaeda actually had to submit an application, you know, who to, you know, who to contact in case, in case of jihad or martyrdom, I guess, you know, the right. whole bit. Turns out he was a classmate of some of the 9-11 hijackers. Think about that. So you're... this guy was trying to get a pilot's license. He's been living here for years, answering to either Al-Qaeda or Hezbollah. And you have the U.S. Senate a week ago, voting that there's no longer an emergency on the U.S.-Mexican border. By the way, the best metric for border security has nothing to do with those BS arrests in terms of aliens. The best metric, the price and availability of heroin and cocaine. 
The United States does not produce a gram of heroin or cocaine. Every molecule of those poisons are smuggled into the U.S. The price of heroin, you would think it's through the roof because the addiction level is astronomical and unprecedented. The price of heroin has never been cheaper. What does that tell you? There is effectively no border. Okay? So you've got drug money going right to the cartels, right to terrorist organizations. Last year, 70,000 died of overdoses. That doesn't include violent crimes committed by drug addicts desperate for money so they could buy drugs to feed their habits. It doesn't include the turf battles of the cartels in our country. Think about it. Pablo Escobar, not Pablo Escobar, I'm sorry, um, El Chapo Guzman, was arrested and prosecuted in the United States as the number one drug smuggler. And where was he prosecuted? In Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Because his network flooded New York, and New York is a major hub to drug activity. Now, stop and back that one up. If you're running a drug cartel, New York City has the biggest and most sophisticated and best-equipped police department, arguably, in the world, certainly in the United States. Roughly 38,000 police officers. It's not a police department, it's an army. I work closely with the NYPD. If we needed a helicopter overhead, overhead during a search, you make a phone call, and within three minutes you'll probably have not one but two helicopters overhead. No other city has that kind of resource, okay? Why would you set up shop in New York City if you're running a major criminal enterprise? There's only one reason. New York, folks, is a sanctuary city. They will intentionally harbor and shield criminal aliens from federal authorities. That's going to be really frustrating to the NYPD. It's frustrating to ICE. Yeah. It's frustrating to me. Uh, Mike, on 9-11, the ashes from 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 the conflagration of Ground Zero flooded down on my neighborhood like snow. I live 10 miles from Ground Zero. My neighbors were killed. They went to work, and two hours later, their ashes flooded down on my neighborhood. And I will tell you, I will never be the same. And I had testified before Congress about the nexus between immigration fraud and terrorism. Are you ready for this? May 20th, 1997, four and a half years before 9-11. We had two terror attacks in 93, a bombing at the Trade Center that killed six, injured over a 1,000, inflicted over a half billion in damages. You would have thought the Clinton administration would have reacted. They did. They created Citizenship USA, and they shoved 1.1 million applications for U.S. citizenship through the system so quickly that many people were approved before their fingerprints came back, and then we found that they were criminals who should have been deported. A month before the bombing, we had the shooting at the CIA by a Pakistani national by the name of Kanti, who shot up the CIA, killed two CIA officers, wounded three others, and fled the country. It was crystal clear. And what's remarkable, Mike, on February 24th, 1998, the Senate Judiciary Committee held a hearing on foreign terrorists operating in the United States because of the 93 bombing. This was two days short of the bombing anniversary. And Diane Feinstein, who used to get it right, I used to speak to her chief of staff all the time, said, you know, there's three things we should be doing. Number one, and the visa waiver program. I couldn't agree more. Number two, maybe we should stop issuing um, visas to aliens to come from countries that sponsor terrorism. Sounds very much like something Donald Trump said. Nobody fainted and nobody rioted. 
She also said, perhaps we should stop providing high-tech training to the citizens of those problematic countries, co- courses of study such as biology and, uh, and uh, physics and nuclear engineering, because we're teaching terrorists how to make weapons of mass destruction. It turns out that the guy that got the explosives for the 93 bombing had gotten a job, he was an alien, got a job at Allied Signal. And, by the way, the guy that was running the nuclear weapons program in Iraq, remember we went in looking for the weapons, because we know there's weapons here. The guy who was running the nuclear program in Iraq, guess where he got his education? He got a Ph.D. in nuclear engineering at Michigan State University. So everybody knew what the dots were. After 9-11, they were screaming, why didn't they connect the dots? They were connected again and again and again and again. And in fact, I had had an argument with the chief Republican counsel at the House Judiciary Committee where I said to him, what the blank is it going to take? Another attack at the World Trade Center? Mike, we had that argument on the Friday before 9-11. No kidding. No kidding. And so the INS... so, go ahead. Go ahead. So when those answers came down on my house, I went nuts. Uh, you know, I was taking my son to school. I'll tell you another quick story about the damage we're doing to ourselves. Uh, and I'm not anti-immigrant. And let's be clear. Illegal aliens are not immigrants. They're illegal aliens. Shoplifters are not customers. Bank robbers are not customers. Now, I understand many of these people are desperate. And I feel bad for many of them. But they're desperate because our government is colluding, if you want collusion, with corrupt regimes that exploit their own citizens. They export citizens the way we export soybeans. Their citizens are money generators. Yeah. Mexico doesn't want their people to stay in Mexico. They want them to come to America, send money home, and then they don't have to feed, clothe, or take care of their medical bills. It's an outrage. And why is this happening? Because the banks love to move the money around. Think of banks as money, as moving services, okay? If I called up Allied Van Lines or some moving company and said, I'm moving from New York to Chicago, they're going to say to me, give me the address so we can plot the distance. Is it an apartment house or a private house? We don't care what kind of furniture, but how many pieces of furniture are there? Oh, and by the way, do you have a piano? That's what they're going to ask you. They don't care if the furniture is French, French provision, provisional or, 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 or Scandinavian or Cologne. They don't care. How many pieces, how far, we'll charge you. The banks don't care if the money that gets moved across international borders was made by a doctor who flew into New York to save a baby's life or made by a woman forced into prostitution at a brothel or some guy that just consummated a drug deal. And to that point... If you go down Roosevelt Avenue in Queens, New York, in Jackson Heights, if anyone has ever been to the United States and been to Queens, this is where El Chapo Guzman was running rampant. Every corner, every block has one after another money wire remitters. And they have flashing signs. And you know what the sign says? What? 24-7. 24-7. And you can drive there at 3 in the morning, and I have, and there's a line out the door. Now, tell me, Mike, how many people wake up at 2.15 in the morning and say, oh, darn, I have to mail a paycheck back to my wife in in whatever country? Right. Yeah, exactly. This is what you're seeing are the people who just consummated a drug deal. They send the money, and and, and the other guy releases the dope. Money laundering. Right. And this is purely drug dealing and structuring. And this is purely supply and demand. 
So when you can go to every corner down Jackson Heights for miles and three more establishments in the middle of the block and go off on the side street and see more money wire services and half of them say open 24-7, how many customers do you think they have? So how many customers need that service at 3 o'clock in the morning? Well, I'd, all that. of the ones in that area. <laughs> so, well, but yes, but but the point is, for the most part, the people that are going into those establishments are drug dealers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, with the, with the border wide open, you can go ahead and arrest El Chapo, but that's not stopping anything because the U.S. is still the golden goose, and that that network is not stopped because. El Chapo is rotting in a supermax in, in Utah or Colorado. It's going to keep right on going. And it's not just coming across the Canadian border, the Mexican border. Some drugs come in through Canada, but lots of drugs are coming in through the seaport. If anybody ever watched the French Connection, they shipped the car to the United States and they had heroin, you know, secreted in the cars. It's coming in at international airports. Now, here's my question. The number of people who smoke cigarettes dropped drastically because there was a very effective public relations campaign to convince people not to smoke. I can't bear to watch the commercials. My dad died of lung cancer. When I see those commercials, I I get physically ill. I react to them. It's been effective. When was the last time you saw a good commercial warning people not to get involved with drugs? And what do we do in the middle of a heroin epidemic? Legalize pot. Now, I would argue, and again, I spent half my 30-year career up at DEA and with the FBI, I would argue that pot is a gateway drug. But if you don't buy that, that's fine. But nevertheless, what is the message for kids? Drugs are okay. Between the commercials for pharmaceuticals, I mean, if you turn on the TV in the United States, I don't know how it is up where you live. We get them here, too, yeah. Side effects include, yeah. Okay. Okay. So think about how funny it is. You can't pronounce the names of these drugs. You need a prescription to buy it. And what follows that commercial for the for that new pharmaceutical? An ad from a law firm promising to help you sue the pharmaceutical company that hurt you with their with their poisons. To cottage industry. So, right. So now here's the point. You're a child, you come home from school, no one's there to to guide you and direct you. You watch this. What's the message? There's a pill for that. Remember when the iPhone came out, they said there's an app for that? Well, now kids have been given the message, there's a drug for that. You feel depressed, there's a drug for that. Yeah. You, you have an itch on, on your left nostril, there's a drug for that. Your back has a little twinge going on, there's a drug. So we've taught kids, don't say, man up. Oh, no, you can't say that. That's toxic masculinity. Right. right? Don't man up. Grab a pill because you're not supposed to experience anything negative in life. You might have a microaggression. Oh, I do a podcast with a doctor out of Chicago, and we cover drug interactions all the time. He was telling me if you go anywhere in Chicago, especially the wealthier areas in the public school system, go to the nurse's office at lunch. There's a lineup of kids three hallways long waiting to get their prescribed uh uh, SSRIs or select serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which on the black box warning tell you uh, result in suicide and murder and uh, the list goes on. But yeah, that's a major problem. Okay, so you got that going on. You have MS-13. They came in as unaccompanied minors. Now again, I am not anti-immigrant. I'm pro-enforcement. But look at the language. In New York, 
they just passed a law that if you use the word illegal alien and it's perceived as a statement of hate, you know what the punishment is? $250,000. We published that article of yours on our website. Is that unbelievable? Thank you. Is that unbelievable? This isn't... This is not being politically correct. This is Orwellian newspeak. Control language, you control thoughts, and you control how people perceive issues. It started with Jimmy Carter, Peanut Head. Peanut Head came out and said, we're going to no longer use the word illegal alien. We're going to call them undocumented workers. I went nuts, so I used a new term. I called them pre-citizens, and it caught on. Understand that the term alien is not an insult. It's not a pejorative. It's a legal term. Legally. All it yep. means is any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. Where's the insult? It's not the N-word. It simply means you're not a citizen. Why is it a problem? Because it provides clarity to the immigration debate. And now look what's going on in the United States, Mike. They vilified the president, Donald Trump. I don't always agree with them, but I will tell you what. My dad was a construction worker. Donald Trump, if you listen to his latest speech at the rally, talked about how he grew up working next to tradesmen that his father had hired. My dad was one of those tradesmen. He didn't work for Trump, but the point was my father was a construction worker. He was a plumber, but he didn't do repair work. He, he worked on the World's Fair. He worked on Kennedy Airport. He, he was a construction guy. And so Donald Trump sounds very much like every construction guy that I grew up with when I was a kid. But they have vilified the president, so there's no time to get the news about anything of consequence this sucks the air out of the conversation. And if you dare say, I think the president is getting anything right, you become the enemy. And so you've got people being split up into little cubby holes. Think about this one, Mike. Think about the way they take polls. Black voter, Latino voter, Jewish voter, Christian voter. Those are not legitimate demographics. You see, if you really want to do a poll that makes sense and that doesn't add to shattering America, e pluribus unum, out of many ones, it makes sense to say voters who are retired, voters who are still in college, voters who are just starting, people who are married, people who are single, people who have a college education, people who barely got through high school, people who live on farms, people who live in the cities. That's legitimate. In New York, it's a big deal if we could fix mass transit. It's a disaster. My youngest son happens to be a mechanical engineer. He's working on the train now. In fact, he's got his degree. And by the way, my youngest son is a form of autism, but because of early intervention, he graduated with honors and got his dream job. So what are we doing now? Cutting the funding for early intervention. And my second oldest son works with children with learning disabilities. And where is the money going? English is the second language. So we're screwing over American kids with special needs so that we can give English language training to the millions of kids who are coming here from everywhere around the world. This is self-destructive. But understand that it makes sense to say, okay, if you live in a city, you want to know what we're going to do with mass transit. Does anybody working on a farm or a ranch give a rat's tail about mass transit? Of course not. So those demographics are legitimate, but they don't talk about that. They'll talk about Latino voters. Now, anybody who thinks that an American Latino has different goals and different concerns from all other Americans is two things blithering idiot and a racist americans are americans are americans and i don't care if you lean left right or center as long as you're not a lunatic fringe wacko 
Everybody wants the government to keep our enemies as far from our shores as possible, the cops to keep our streets safe, and the schools to educate our kids so when they grow up they can have good jobs and a bright future. I defy someone to tell me I'm getting this wrong. But yet what the pollsters have done is to construct polls. They call them scientific polls. What does that mean? They were holding a test tube when they did it? Scientific <laughs> survey. Holy smoke. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. So the point is, if you really want to do a poll and look at demographics, sure. The guy that's retired has different concerns from the guy that's first starting out. The guy that's married, different from the guy who's not. That, that's, if you're not married, you have no children. Why would you care how much money is going into the school system? Not your worry. If you have three children, you're concerned, okay? Those are rational demographics. When was the last time you heard of a poll that addressed those demographics, Mike? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't believe any polls I hear. <laughs> no, but my point is just the way they divide us up. Yeah, exactly. Am I that wrong? Do I, do I make sense to you? Oh, you're totally making sense. And listen, Mike, we've got about two and a half, three minutes left here. I got to tell you. Oh, boy, it was uh, yeah, this well, this is the easiest interview I've ever done in my life because uh, you, I, I pretty much can just let you go. But uh, how uh, the thing to me is how are they getting here? Like Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, goes on Twitter and says, "Come on over to Canada, everybody! Uh, if you're a refugee in a war torn country that, by the way, NATO destroyed, and now we've got to take care of you." Uh, how are they getting here? What are they riding on goats across the Atlantic Ocean? First of all, these are most likely people that have money to get here in the first place. Second of all, once they get here, they're absolutely miserable. We've got engineers and doctors from other countries that are forced onto welfare and not allowed to work here. And I saw the same thing with those caravans coming up from Mexico, Nicaragua, and Honduras. Everybody had a phone. It was reported that they had uh, prepaid credit cards with cash. I assume from some Soros operative in the time we've got well, left. But, let's but, talk about that. It's not just Soros though. It's, it's the Koch brothers also. Yeah. Listen, no, I have no problem with that. Collusion, right, if you want collusion, the Democrats and Republicans are on the same page. The Democrats and Republicans got together and voted to let in more H1B visa holders from India, which displaces more workers. Zoe Lofgren, the chairperson of the House Immigration Subcommittee, is an immigration lawyer. She's a Democrat. Uh, Bob Goodlatte, who had been the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, which also oversees immigration Republican, he's also an immigration lawyer, and he specialized in H-1B visas. And when I had an argument with him, he told me how his son, Bobby Goodlatte, got his start in computers. Look up Bobby Goodlatte. He got his start with Zuckerberg at Facebook. And he told me how they wanted tens of thousands of brilliant programmers to come to America. America has the programmers. Alan Greenspan called American programmers the privileged elite. He said the solution to wage inequality, bring in many, many, many more foreign workers. You will drive down the wages, and then you will achieve equality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. It's a prescription for the destruction of the middle class. Equality as in we're all third world now. Exactly, except for the elite. Never forget, all all pigs are equal, but some more. The raw animals are equal, but some more than others. Right? Yeah, yeah. More equal than others. Two legs bad. Yeah. Four legs good. Yeah, I remember from the animal farm. George Orwell, yeah. Orwell laid it out beautifully. Oh, well, no, no, yep. Yeah, that in 1984, if you read 1984, you'll understand everything that's going on. Or read the stuff on my website. <laughs> my website is Michael Cutler, C U T L E R, MichaelCutler.net. I write for FrontPageMag.com, Front Page Magazine. 
I also write for Dennis Michael Lynch at DMLnews.com. But get involved, folks. You know, uh, both of our countries are suffering from a level of corruption that I would never have thought possible just a few years ago. He's Michael Cutler, everybody. Mike, thanks for appearing on the show. We're going to be spreading your work at AmericanOcRadio.com. We've got to let you go. We are out of time, Mr. Cutler. Thanks again for appearing on the show. So listen, everybody. This is somebody that you need to listen to. Now, he might have a few opinions that you don't agree with, but don't get hung up on them because we're on the same side with this destruction of North America that uh, is being ostensibly brought in with immigration. Look at the damage to the Bill of Rights and Constitution and the rights and freedoms that you're told are God-given. Right? No, you can't have those because you might hurt somebody else's feelings and you got to be taxed out the yin-yang because you got to help other people. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got our own mouths to feed. We can't afford it. And if you want to help an immigrant, bring one into your own damn house and quit virtue signaling. Signaling. <laughs> America. We'll be back tomorrow on American Hack Radio, everybody. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five O. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.